Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm delighted to be joined by Frank Keller. Frank, thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure. Delighted to be here. Yeah, Thank delighted. you. So Frank has a wide wealth of vast experience um, in lots of different spaces. Um, but Frank is also a pediatric osteopath, which will be, you know, giving us a, an additional insight into, you know, developmental sides and how bits and pieces kind of illustrate and, and figure themselves out, let's say, as we get a little bit older. Frank, maybe do you want to give the listeners a little bit of an outline as to your own background first, and then we can kind okay. of dive into some content. Okay, so um, I suppose I'm working in healthcare for the best part of 35 years, really. So I first qualified as a nurse for people with intellectual disabilities, and I trained in Cork and Cope Foundation. Um, fantastic training for three years. And then I went um, and worked in Cope for about a year and a half and then moved to London. Um, and in London, I worked for a little bit um, in intellectual disabilities, and then I changed career. I had always been interested in, I suppose, working for myself eventually. So I then became an osteopath and trained in London for five years as an osteopath. Um, and after training, I then um, worked there for a couple of years and then came back home to Ireland to set up my own practice. Um, it became very obvious to me very quickly that I was very interested in paediatrics when I was working um, and so I did a lot of postgraduate studies in paediatrics for osteopathy. And I've run a clinic now for since 1997, really, 98 in Cork and really specialised, I suppose, in the last 15 to 20 years in paediatrics. So working with babies and children and up to the teenagers um, to 16, really, years old. Um, we have a clinic out in the Model Farm Road, myself and Sasha who's another paediatric osteopath joined the clinic last year. And it's babies and children every day, every day for five days a week. And so that's what we've done um, for, for quite a number of years, really. So we treat kids right across the age group. And we it's really enjoyable work to help the kids themselves and the babies and the children, but also to help their families as well, because I think that's a very important thing with the dynamic. You're treating the family really as well. So that's Amazing. that's sort of my background, yeah. Very good. That sounds fabulous, Frank. Never ending, I'm sure, but very, very. Rewarding. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's busy. It's a busy. Sure. It's a busy world, but in, very enjoyable. Very Which enjoyable. So I suppose today, Frank, we'll have a bit of a of an open ended discussion. Obviously, yeah. we're we're kind of tuning in with our audience around October and Dyslexia Awareness Month. Obviously, by no means is it just something to yes. apply obviously during this month timeline um but the transition to school has we've already kind of moved through a little but you know stress levels may still be high yes. and you know that's still may be evident in the household so maybe from mm. that basis frank anything that you might suggest from a from an education standpoint or even a practical standpoint for home or even in school based around the anxiety stress level piece yeah, I suppose the way an osteopath looks at this is sort of the, the stress response in the body has mini, has physical manifestations, really. So the fight or flight response, as we call it osteopathically, is where your brain has um, gone into a mechanism where it's stressed or you're anxious and you start to produce chemicals in your brain, cortisol or adrenaline. And that has physical manifestations in your body. So, for instance, um, when you have... Um, 
I suppose kids or children who have uh, anxiety, it's the body's natural response to a stressful situation. So, for instance, if you're going to do a performance or if you're in school and it's a new day with a new teacher and, and new peers, that raises your stress levels. And if that's a natural situation for, for many, many people or many kids. But what can happen is that it can become repeated um, and you can start, start to have higher stress levels. And then that gives you physical symptoms that an osteopath, I think, is very well placed to treat. So, for instance, you might start to get headaches, for instance, or you're, you might start to have difficulty in your breathing. So you're starting to breathe a bit faster or indeed you might have shallow breathing um, or your breathing might even speed up because of the stress in the body system. And that's a physical manifestation of stress. You might start to be very tired after your day at school. You're coming home and you're exhausted because you've been trying to follow the rules and work within the school curriculum all day. And that's exhausting for you if you're stressed. Um, you might start to develop digestive issues because when you're stressed, your body moves blood flow to the muscular system away from your digestive system. So you might start to feel a little bit nauseated or feel that you have a bit of a tummy problem and you might come home and say that to mom or dad as well um, you might also have aches or pains because again when your stress system is working your body is diverting blood flow to your muscles um, for fight or flight and so therefore particularly in the chest area because you're breathing more quickly and that's another physical manifestation and therefore Again, your heart rate may speed up because of that. And also your posture may change. So if you're feeling stressed, you may have what's called an enclosed posture rather than what I call is the superhero posture where you're ready to take on the world and you're producing different chemicals. So these are the physical manifestations that a kiddie may present with in the school system or even when they come home and talking to mom or dad about it. And that's what osteopathy, that's where we come in, in terms of treating some of those things. And I suppose from a day-to-day -day practicality standpoint, Frank, what, how does that maybe be, how did, like, how was that illustrated, let's say, and how is that um, maybe corrected even, you know, or interventions put in place from a home base as to, to what they can possibly do from there. So they've noticed now some of those symptoms that you're mentioning and unsure yeah. of causes or, or next steps. What might they do from there then, Frank, that you would advise? I think one of the key things would be if, if, if your child is complaining with certain physical manifestations of stress, then one of the, a really good way of treating them is to, is to have osteopathy treatment because what, what osteopaths do is, first of all, we evaluate the whole body system and we look at the lifestyle that the child is obviously living in and, and the environment is, is they're working in and how that contributes to their well-being. And obviously what we do, I, I think, is we're very interested in their nervous system's response to stress. So if they're physically showing these signs, then it may be induced by a nervous system that's working really, really hard. And one of the key parts of their nervous system is their sympathetic nervous system, their fight or flight system. So when we look at a child who comes into the clinic, we're focusing a lot on 
things like working on their thoracic spine area where they might have tension in their thoracic spine. They might have neck and shoulder tension or they might be complaining of having a little bit of shortness of breath. And believe it or not, neurologically, your sympathetic nervous system is housed in your thoracic spine. So the nerve endings from that area that creates stress in the body are in that part of your spinal column. So by treating that area very gently by doing things like, for instance, getting them to do some stretching to keep their muscles more flexible. We may do some very gentle muscle stretching techniques with them where we're trying to improve their range of motion in their thoracic spine. um, And that helps their neck and shoulder and their upper back to, to relieve that tension. In doing so, that has an effect on your fight or flight nervous system in that area. And then we might give them little stretches to do at home. So we'll always give them some homework to do where we get them to do some very gentle stretches to try and improve their range of motion or ability in that area. We also will do little gentle techniques where we might articulate their back very, very gently because that promotes movement. Because if you're stressed and in that thoracic area or the mid-back area, then the joints very often will be a bit restricted. And as a result of that, if it's not moving so well, that can interfere with the nerve signals to those muscles. We sometimes will do very soft tissue techniques as well, where we stretch the muscles, we mobilize them a little bit. And what you're doing there is you're applying rhythmical movement again to get everything moving a little bit better. A key area for me is their breathing diaphragm, because very often kiddies will breathe from their upper rib cage and ignore their belly breathing, as we call it. So we do lots of very gentle techniques to mobilize their breathing diaphragm, to try and get them to breathe a little bit more deeply when they breathe in and out. And then we teach them some breathing techniques to do as well. Um, as part of the program. So I don't know whether you've heard of the, the 478 method of breathing. You probably have, Una. It's a really good way of changing their breathing pattern, slowing it down. And we can teach them that to practice it a few times a day if they're feeling stressed as well. So we give them some breathing techniques to do. And the other thing that I'm a huge fan of as well is the superhero pose. I don't know whether you've ever heard of it. Um. They've actually done studies in this, which I find is amazing. So what it does essentially is it teaches the kids to have the superhero pose like Superman or Wonder Woman or Peter Pan. But by having a wide base and having their hands and their hips and sticking their chest out and doing that for two minutes, they've found that it changes the chemical releases in the brain to more relaxing chemicals. And so we teach them those little things that they can do at home with their parents and mom and dad can practice as well. And it's a really good way of getting them to sort of practice breathing techniques. Obviously, if we feel they need to a little bit more advanced stuff, we might get them to look at mindfulness. I know in certain classrooms now, certain schools, teachers are working with their kids on a day to day basis to work on mindfulness. That's a really good way of changing your brain function to a more relaxed status. So there are things we can do physically with them when we're treating them, but there's also lots of advice like I've described we can give them as well. 
Amazing. Yeah, I suppose some of those practical tips and suggestions, Frank, are often very useful because especially if we're in that maybe heightened state, having something that can yeah. be actionable can often, you know, have a little bit of ease and be like, OK, I can do this yeah. to make myself or make, you know, help their child feel a little bit better. And and from the school base and the, the classroom standpoint, Frank, that's a really interesting aspect. I know obviously mindfulness has been implemented mm-hmm. throughout lots of different core modules and, and hopefully into created an awful lot more in with the curriculum I suppose teacher stress levels is something you get regularly I know you're in the, the kids yeah. space but obviously there's that intertwining loop so there's the kid there's their parents and you know there's the core or many teachers that they may interact with and if that loop can maintain you know and, and a balance in stress levels then it can yes. kind of work in a more of a cohesive unit and I think that you might recommend, Frank, from maybe even teachers tuning in where they notice, you know, maybe habits or behaviours or high stress mm. levels than even in a student or in a child. And they're kind of unsure maybe as how to present that or maybe even what to do next at that stage. Yeah, I, I guess the key with it is obviously nowadays, I think that teachers are way more aware of anxiety and stress levels within students. They would have had in-house education. I remember having a conversation a number of months ago with Jess Kennedy, who's a very well-known occupational therapist and who goes in and works with teachers around the whole recognition of anxiety and stress in students and giving them practical guidelines of one, how to recognize it and two, practical things to do within the classroom area. And that would be things like working on mindfulness on a daily basis or, you know, just spoke about things like giving students breaks for a little bit so they can have a little bit of support outside so that they might need a break to just go and work in their breathing for a little bit and come back into the school environment again. And I think you're right. It is that circle. It's the circle between the child, the parents and the teacher I think closing that circle and having everybody on the same hymn sheet is very important. But getting teachers to recognize if your student comes up to you and says, yeah, I have a lot of neck pain today, or I also have, you know, I feel my tummy is a little bit irritated. I feel a little bit sick. That could be a stress sign that they're manifesting physically in their body or even looking at their posture on a day-to-day basis, because people who are very confident and have low stress levels have a very open posture, Una, very open, whereas people who are stressed have a very closed posture. They tend to be a little bit more hunched. You can tell that they're not expanding their ribcage when they're breathing. They tend to have bad posture in the classroom, in the desk area, and you might think, yeah, they're hunching or they're punching down a little bit, have a look at that, because that can be a sign that they're actually feeling stress and they're kind of cocooning their body a little bit as almost a protection mechanism. And that's something that you can observe physiologically in the body rather than the superhero who walks around and is very confident. Those are things that the teacher can recognize. So recognize if the child is telling, oh, I have a bit of a headache today or I've got a bit of a pain in my neck or I'm feeling a bit sick. You know, I'm feeling a bit nauseated. That can be a sign of stress. Massively. Yeah, that's so great, Frank. And I suppose even, you know, bits of that mental tracking or even, you know, physical tracking. So, you know, if things are coming up as a pattern, are there certain triggers to look out for? There are different things, you know, at different times of the day where, you know, they may approach then the teacher. So do they not like maybe doing pee or do they not like certain activities? 
and then there's a cyclical kind of effect or an nature to it might not always be the case but there yes. might be a pattern to some element of behavior to then build up i suppose more of a profile really as to a little bit of a, of a you know i suppose an outline as to what's going to happening and then maybe approaching obviously a parent or, or following through then yes. if there's anything more severe that's needed Listen, Frank, that's so great. Um, I suppose for anybody tuning in that would like to link in or learn a bit more or Absolutely. attend your practice, how best should they go about doing so? Yeah, I, I mean, we we are on we are on all the, the social media platforms. So it's Cart Children's Clinic is our clinic. We have a, a big we have an Instagram page. We have a website. We're on Facebook. So if you if you Google Cart Children's Clinic, we will come up and you'll be able to access the clinic that way. Um, and as I say, we have some experience of treating kids who have anxiety who are in the school system over the years. Um, and what we work on is their physical manifestations, really, of that stress and work on trying to create a more neutral nervous system. So a nervous system that isn't going into those stressors um, and give them lots of a bit of homework to do, but nice homework. So things that they can do practically with mom and dad or even, you know, with their teacher, that will help them as well. Fabulous. Perfect. Frank, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, as always, having you on. Um, hopefully that was um, of practical knowledge to, to some of our listeners. Yeah. If people have any questions, feel free to link in with us. Or again, as Frank mentioned, linking in with his clinic, if you wanted to set up an appointment or to ask any further questions to them. Stay tuned for the rest of Dyslexia Awareness Month as we've lots of obviously upcoming webinars and workshops and link in with our social media. And as Frank mentioned, start following his social media too to pick up any of their regular tips and suggestions, which is some great content there that you can even practically apply at home as well. Thanks everybody for watching. We'll speak to you all soon.